Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Growth Insights. This is another Fresh Pulse episode. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, and um, I'm joined today by our regulars, my regulars, of Jonna Parker, Principal of Circana's Fresh Center of Excellence, and Anna Marie Rohrink, President of 210 Analytics, um, our valued, valued research partner. So thank you both for being here today. I want to just start out, we're, we're in the midst of summer, you know, smack dab in the middle of summer, and we see that inflation is moderating, which is great, but I'm not really seeing that shake out in the world of grocery um, or even particularly in fresh. So Anna Marie, talk to me a little bit about what you're observing in consumer behavior based on inflationary pressure. Yeah, um, thank you, Joan. And and I would say um, your, your feeling echoes mine in that there has been tons and tons of press coverage, uh, both radio, TV, written, you name it, about that rate of inflation moderating. Um, but there are, of course, a number of other factors at play. And that is the fact that uh, the national debt, uh, credit card debt, so everything that we own together as a nation on our credit card has reached an all-time high delinquencies are extremely high, especially among young people. We're not saving the way we normally do. So all of those indicate that for a while now, this nation has supplemented their incomes with other means, whether that is a credit card or that is uh, taking some money out of savings, spending a little bit more than is coming in. So the fact that we are celebrating that the rate of inflation is going down, realistically, it is still going up at 5% for total food. And now we really see those restaurant prices coming up stronger even than grocery. So when you think about the cumulative effect of the cost of life, especially over the last three years, it has not um, exceeded or it has exceeded and certainly um, is taking a dent out of people's ability to spend. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit and that's what we're seeing, right? People are not immediately jumping on, hey, oh, hey, look at that. Beef has come down and is now the same price. Let me go and buy more beef. Ultimately, every single week, every time they're in the store, they are still balancing the money they have with what they're in the mood for the time they have to prepare things, uh, the health profile they're looking for, taste, et cetera. So it's really all about the constant balancing act that we have been seeing for two years now. And I think we've talked about this before where, you know, again, it looks, the numbers look like they're softening. And I love that you mentioned it's the big headline. But when we compare what we're paying three years ago with what we're paying today, I feel like that, even though people don't even know, might not know how to, um, talk about it in their own head or wrap their own brain around it. We're paying like a third more for our groceries than we were three years ago. And now there's been so much talk here at Circana about what's um, happening with the student loan repayments, you know, resuming in the fall and how that's even bigger than what we experienced with the SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Benefits um, coming to an end. So not, not that we're ending SNAP, but just that 
the supplemental benefit um, from SNAP is coming to an end. So very interesting. Um, so what are, Anne-Marie, where are people like in terms of their behaviors for looking for value? I thought was um, super interesting in, in this month report was the fact that we still see more than 90% of people concerned about their ability to buy groceries because of inflation. And Jana, you commented on that in the report as well, where we've really seen that ratio sit at more than 90% since late 21, all throughout 22. And you would think that with all that noise about, oh, the rate of inflation is coming down, that maybe people would get less concerned. But ultimately, what is happening is they're still seeing uh, that it hits their paycheck and it continues to impact their ability to buy. Jonna? Yeah, you know, perception is reality and time is as precious as ever. So I think that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind that we as statisticians and the pundits and the economists, we're all looking at the numbers year over year, but the consumer still perceives things to be high. I think the biggest difference that we've seen in studying this month to month is when inflation first started to hit and it was mixed with supply inability, right? So things would go up in expense because it would be unlimited supply. And we kind of trained consumers to buy just in time for what they needed based on we weren't locked down anymore. Promotions weren't as good. Prices were high. And now we're kind of sitting here 18 months later going, oh, why are they doing these big baskets? The metric I'm looking at every single month now is the trip average and the number of units per trip. We're still at 2.3% more trips to any store for food and beverage across all outlets combined at retail. So when a retailer is looking at market share reduction, it's not because people are necessarily scaling back in their own stores. We're seeing that ticket split we're doing a lot of leakage tree work, which in essence lets you follow a consumer's dollars and see how many shoppers convert on a category. Most retailers' conversion rates of getting people to buy that category one time in their store is pretty strong. Where we're seeing it is the dollars are now split across so many more types of outlets. And that is as true for fresh foods as some of the center store foods I've looked at. We are combating inflation by shopping around and buying just what we need when we need it. And that means we're still at year over year. I mean, arguably now we're lapping when even center store inflation started to hit. So, I mean, almost every aisle as of July, 2022 was seeing the price inflation or reduced promotion. So we're lapping that now. And yet we are seeing almost five units per trip less in food and beverage. And in some places that's a volume scale down. I think fresh has benefited from the fact that there's many options for people to buy just what they need. I know in both meat and produce, we see a softening of pounds, but not necessarily people leaving products or trips. It's not like they've walked away from meat. They're being conscious of what they spend on that trip and how much pounds they buy to just consume what they want. Similar in produce, produce had a fantastic 4th of July. Many fruit and vegetable categories actually outperformed their 52-week average, and not just cherries and things being corn, things we expect because they get heavy promotion. We saw a wide variety like lettuce and salads and you know side dish kits, tr party trays for produce, which have now started to be small in size. Those are all things that if you meet the needs of the consumer and you can, they see themselves consuming it, they're going to pick it up if it fits that just-in-time trip. 
But obviously, we're looking back to a pre-pandemic world where people did lots of stock ops. You were able to capture the majority of the food dollar. And I just don't think that's going to be the 2020s reality. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about promotions and getting people into the store. And I think that, Jana, you've indicated in the past, you know, that circular promotions are down, like where people looking at the circulars are down and, and online is increasing. But overall, I... I always go back to our dashboard of economic indicators, you know, available at iriworldwide.com. Um, it still hasn't transitioned over to our circana.com, but um, I just love it. Promotions are up 8% from a year ago, which tells me that manufacturers are finally leaning into that. Um, in edible, promotions are up 15%, um, really high in some categories. But it's interesting, like when you kind of dig in a little bit, and maybe I'll pick on meat here. Um, the depth of the promotion is not really there, you know, that it's like there's, there's wide availability of promotions, but we're not giving the percentage off that we had been. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, one of our survey questions this past month was excellent. And it was essentially asking shoppers after in-store displays, what is the top way you seek deals? And it really focused on outside of in-store displays because we wanted to understand the drivers that allow you to choose which store you go to. And really, I mean, we don't do this every month, so I can't say for the first time. I have a feeling it's been this way for a while, but you're absolutely right, Joan. Less people said newspaper circular than retailer app. What we're seeing is those retailer apps, we specifically called out specific retailer shopping apps where you can either pre-plan your trip or uh, add deals to your card those apps have, we've really trained the consumer populace to view that. And they know in many cases, that's the best deal. But you're right about the lift. That's something that we've been looking at and monitoring quite a bit across all departments. We are seeing less what we call promotional efficiency, which truly is when you discount, when you put something on promotion, are you able to get incremental lift over what you'd expect to sell anyway? And that metric is extremely flat to down in almost every department. It's flat in meat, despite to your point, this past month, we saw slightly more pounds on promotion. Well, we should be seeing meat pounds on promotion. It's the height of grilling season, right? And the holidays of you know July 4th and Labor Day are prime times for retailers to try to get those shoppers to buy meat there. But I think it goes back to that trip behavior. You have a consideration set of stores that you shop in. If you've downloaded the app and that's where you're preloading deals, you've already made up your mind of where you're going to go for that trip. So I think it's really about what levers can we pull to make sure that when someone gets to that, when we get someone into the store, in-store display, in-store price reduction, great ways. I think you know center store has to draw people into those aisles more, but the perimeter is always merchandising is a lot of doing the job for us in the perimeter. But how do we get people to change up their consideration set? In the research we've seen, it's increasingly they think of the aura of the store, like I want to go on a treasure hunt. I need something quirky because I'm having people over. This store is healthy. And those kinds of things aren't found on retailer apps. They're found in the brand of the store. Anna-Marie, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, so many thoughts. So first of all, real quick on the research, you know, for some of the, the categories I've been following, where do people go for promotions for probably 20 years? 
And you're absolutely right that in the olden days, um, 80, 90% of people said that they would sit at their kitchen table with one or more ads, paper ads from the various stores around them, compare prices and make their list based on those paper ads. Fast forward, uh, in-store signage right now is the most important one. And at the same time, of course, there's great danger in that because if you're a high-low retailer and all you do is lean on that in-store promotion, how are those secondary shoppers going to realize what you have on sale? So that means there's enormous importance to also advertise your prices um, outside of that store. And what we're seeing is that indeed the app has come out of nowhere and then if you go back to some of those early statistics from the pandemic that showed what kind of apps people downloaded, grocery store apps were among the highest ones downloaded because people started buying online. Well, that download is now paying off for us in people using the app, not so much for online shopping anymore as it is for doing research. And really the big lesson there is how can you tie that research that they're doing on the app to really creating a purchase in the store and converting that recipe that they're looking at or that nutrition information that they're looking at. So the app has become absolutely crucial in this environment. But real quick about meat, I think one of the issues that we're seeing in meat is I loved you talking about the fact that we're still seeing so many more trips. Well, not in meat. Meat is one of the very, very few exceptions to that rule. And that worries me greatly because if people are not coming down to the meat department, you cannot, again, show them what wonderful advertising, advertised prices, et cetera, you have. So, you know, this is where some of the best in class retailers are doing a fabulous job with those island merchandisers. I walked into Whole Foods the other day and they had a chicken display inside the produce department. And as we know from our Cohen Cross purchase research, chicken is highly related to fresh produce. I walked into Safeway where um, they pull out every single item that is on sale in the meat department into a special front facing case where people can see what is on sale, even if they're not in the meat department. So some of that creativity and merchandising where we have to break down the silos across departments, uh, that will be uh, part of the success to bring meat back and, and bring that softness up. One of the other things that I've been really impressed with at both Kroger and Albertsons, and I can just speak for that because we were asked for an article recently about uh, programs they both rolled out, is it's a mix of I'll say meat, but it's a mix of dinner or breakfast solutions that are both ready to heat and eat. Both retailers, many retailers post-pandemic have leaned hard into pre-packaged heat and eat meals. Um, Sprouts also does a nice job of that where they have both ready to heat and then separately they have ready to cook. And then thirdly, in a lot of those front displays or central location displays, they do offer what cuts are on sale. And I think that concept of, we know shoppers, some are saying, hey, I saw that chicken thighs are on sale. So I've chosen to go to this store over that store. But the overall majority in these smaller trips are going, I need dinner tonight. And dinner tonight is about time as much as it's about ingredient. And I think that this world, you know, our, our partners uh, who handle the national eating trends just came out with the eating patterns in America study. And the headline of it was two things. One was time is back to being a ridiculously important consideration factor. And it even is more because we had this period where we were thinking we had more time when things were a little more locked down. So it feels even busier than it used to feel with the rush of life. 
The second piece, and I want to touch on this at the end here, is special occasions really change the way you shop and think. And I know we haven't talked about this yet, but this month in June, as we reviewed June results through July 2nd, we really chose to have a few extra spotlight slides on bakery. Because in all the things we're talking about today, the bakery department, which in our definition includes both the perimeter of fresh bakery, as well as the adjacent kind of sliced bread snack cakes aisle, it would exclude, you know, Oreo cookies and crackers. But those two spaces of bakery, and many retailers now they're one, right? The breads are behind the fresh. That department has been incredibly buoyant. This past month, the year-to-date results were triple the growth of total edible for dollar sales. And before you say, oh, that's inflation, Jonna, they also only lost 2% in units, which was remarkably less than almost any other department. And so what we found in bakery is it's a mix. Going back to that, special occasions kind of change people. In one case, we do have strength of perimeter cookies, cakes, um, donuts remain this juggernaut category <laughs> that is increasing units in perimeter. But I also think when it comes to snack cakes and sliced breads, people are not racing to the bottom, right? We are tired of inflation. We're tired of this negative news. It's been such a roller coaster. And I think that Bakery Isle offers a few treats to escape the everyday. And I think that is why it's surprisingly buoyant. Well, I think that those things kind of go together. You know, like let's look at some of the bakery trends particularly the perimeter bakery, you know, it's a little more premium, it's a little more indulgent, but it also speaks to um, some more of your survey findings that show that 77% of meals are still made at home. Yeah. And that again, Anna Marie might dovetail off of your um, comment about how high food service or restaurant prices are, are getting. So it's, it's the time factor. It's the, e, the, the occasion factor. It's the, we want to feel good about, even if we're using prepared items from the store, we still want to make it feel like a great meal. So I kind of get that. I get that that's a, a good place for some of those, maybe not, maybe just discretionary a little bit. It's it's a small price to pay for something a little extra that's nice. Yeah, and it's also, of course, a, a much smaller price to pay than if you were to go out to dinner. And uh, one of the most fun research I did recently was really looking at um, that restaurant takeout and delivery piece. And what we realized is that the same trends are happening in restaurant takeout and delivery as are happening inside the restaurant. And that is the fact that people are sort of pulling back into that main dish skipping the appetizer, skipping the dessert, skipping the glass of wine a little bit more often. So that really presents a huge opportunity for food retailers, especially in the areas of bakery, uh, deli, produce, et cetera, where that main entree might be the restaurant takeout or delivery, but there's still a lot of opportunity to be the plus one to that restaurant takeout or delivery. And if you think about how bakery can be, you know, for $5, you have a beautiful little dessert versus if you were to buy that in a restaurant, it gets you exactly one slice. And that's if you go to a cheap restaurant. So um, there is a big opportunity there to mix and match because we often think of, of the meal in a very linear way. You either cook, you don't cook. You either eat out, you don't eat out. Um, in reality, what we're seeing is hybrids everywhere. And the, and the opportunity, therefore, lies into being part of that hybrid meal. And that is an opportunity across every single department. 
Yeah. And I think as we just touched on, many retailers have leveraged spaces in the store in creative ways to get into the hybrid meal components as it relates to the meal. But I recently, because I've been so busy this summer, converted to being quite an online shopper. And you have two teenage boys who get mad if something goes out, you teach them how to add it to the Instacart list. And I was just thinking last night how I think as we adopt more online planning and online shopping, which is obviously going to grow in the coming years, and we just talked about is already here for the planning aspect, that plus one is really essential. You know, consumers are very used to getting, let's say it, probably AI generated recommendations of what goes with meals. We certainly have copious amounts of data about what correlates together in the basket historically, but I'm shocked. And, you know, the majority of the online shopping experience is still very much where you have a list and you either preload the list based on your past, if you're using the same app, which is great. They even remind you which brands you bought last time and they notify you when they're on sale. But what about when your kid just wants a sweet treat as we go back to school here in Arizona next week and you're looking for that lunchbox special? I think that's where we rely too much on in-store and kind of the future of, of this plus one. Consumers are telling us in bakery, for example, and other aisles that they want sweet treats. They want to add the little bit of indulgence. They want to upgrade. You know, in the case of sliced bread, we're seeing incredible buoyancy with brands that cost a little bit more, but consumers still see value because they're eating sliced bread. Those types of upgrades, I feel like could be so digitally powerful. And that's really the next bastion of marketing. Well, I, I think we have the uh, the title for our podcast there, Joan. It will be the, the plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I love that because it, it all these things really did tie together. You know, it's inflation is easing and yet it is still having a tremendous impact. And the, the amount that we're paying you know, year over year over year, it's just getting higher and higher and higher. We're still cooking a lot of our meals at home. Ajana, to your point, time is of the essence. You know, we want great meals, but it is all about balancing out that occasion, that experience. Um, so I think the plus one notion is fantastic. Give me a little extra, help me. It, it's okay to spend a small amount more to really make something exceptional. So with that, ladies, I want to thank you for your time and I look forward to our conversation next month. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Zirconic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review Zirconic Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at zircona.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.